You've scanned the headlines, you've read the articles and liked the posts. Now listen to the experts themselves in the Future of Work podcast, presented by AllWork.Space. Today, we welcome Josh Dream, co-founder of the Work3 Institute, Web3 advisor at Harvard Innovation Labs, and co-author of Employment is Dead. Josh is an HR transformation and metaverse expert, featured in Harvard Business Review, Forbes, Fast Company, and The Economist. He's a pioneer in HR tech with a master's from Harvard. Josh, welcome to the Future Work podcast. It's really great to have you here today. I'm excited for our conversation. I know that uh, you and I ran into each other years ago, I guess it was, when you were at the Harvard Innovation Lab. That's and right. so it's great to uh, rekindle our uh, <laughs> experience together. And I know you've got a ton to bring to our audience today. And I want to start out uh, asking a question, really, uh, about Web3. Uh, how do you think Web3 and, and AI technologies are really going to impact the way we work or are impacting it already? the way we work? Yeah, that's a, a great question, Frank. And thanks again for having me on the show. It's so great to be reconnected with you and uh, just love the podcast and love what you're working on. Uh, Web3 is a very interesting subject, I think, as we- well, what, what is Web3? Let, let's let's, let's start there. Definition. <laughs> what, what is Web3? And that is an interesting thing to, def to define. What people put under the umbrella of Web3 is any disruptive technologies that are going to change the way that we work. And so when we talk about AI, when we talk about NFTs and decentralization and what it means to you know, put something on the blockchain, all of these are a Web3 technology technically. And the idea of Web3 is that we are moving from a Web2 version of the internet into a, the semantic web or Web3, which is a little bit more about having 3D interactions and being able to live in immersive worlds digitally. Um, so it's, it's definitely an upgrade from the internet that we have today where we go to coffee shops and sit in front of our computers and it's great because we get to chat in these ways, but uh, there will be a point where we get to do this quote unquote in person with our digital avatars in a Web3 environment. Well, and I've always thought it, uh, that the next true advance is sort of a Star Trek beam me up Scotty approach is that we really should be working and looking towards Web3 as looking at a live holographic mode as opposed to an avatar mode. I mean, you can imagine my avatar would look, you know, like really strange. Uh, um, uh, and I just refuse to do that. I don't want to be a cartoon character, but I do want to live and work in an immersive world. Um, I think that's a, a, a where we are going. Uh, and if, if Web 2 is flat, Web 3 is three-dimensional, if you will, uh, keeping it, it really simple for a lot of people. Um, how do you do you think we'll actually be able to migrate quickly enough into a more realistic, less cartoonish, less avatarish um, way of working uh, in uh, Web three than uh, than is what we see mostly today? Um, yeah, I mean that's a that's a great question, and I get a lot of comments in my work since I work primarily in the corporate space with large corporations and CEOs and individuals who are interested in work particularly. And when they see the metaverse or when they see these virtual worlds, to them it looks like a video game. It's cartoony. Yeah. 
yeah. you know, say like the next time I see an avatar dancing in front of me, I'm going to freak out because I don't want or need that. What I need is, you know, an ability to be productive in an immersive environment. Do we have the tools to run business well? And, and the, to address the piece of speed, the metaverse is kind of, a, you know, we hate the buzzword at this point. We say the word metaverse, you know, is there a new word coming? I know that Apple is very big on calling it spatial computing, uh, but re regardless of what we call it, there there's already in companies who are in the metaverse who are, they're being productive. They are holding team meetings. They are um, working remotely, which unlocks a lot of potential within their workforce. And there are, you know, the younger generation coming into the workforce who likes the video games. They like the cartoony stuff. And so I think it's finding a balance between productivity and fulfillment really is what it comes down to. I think we are addressing the first native digital generation with Gen Z, truly native uh, digital generation with Gen Z uh, and their comfort in all aspects of immersive technology or just technology in general, uh, you know, it, it, uh, in my generation, it's a, you know, can't live with it, can't live without it. Uh, and their generation, it's like, well, is there anything else? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and so you, you've, you've got this, this new generation coming up, which will certainly change things, especially as that generation becomes decision makers uh, uh, and, and technologies continue to evolve. I'm just curious as to, the impact, which is really the thing, how will this impact? What are we going to see more productivity or is things just going to be different? Are we going to give us more capacity to cross borders so that work is everywhere, anywhere, all the time without really thinking about it? Or is this going to um, be more constraining because you have to be in this meta place, if you will? And by the way, whenever you say metaverse, I get this horrible image of a cartoonish Zuckerberg. Uh, you know, and I just go, there's dance, dancing Zuckerberg. And I, I just... I we all do, Frank. We all have that horrific image plaguing our nightmares. And you bring up like a really great point. I am overly concerned about the next generation hitting the workforce, which at this point, they are hitting the workforce. And in the next five years, they will yes. make up 46% of the, the workforce. And I just don't think that we are ready. I spent a lot of time consulting in the HR space and what it looked like to recruit traditional employment models, how we are pushing towards productivity. All of this model is outdated. It might serve, it might have served us at one point but the younger generation grew up in a completely different environment. They don't want the corporate dream. They don't want to climb the corporate ladder. What they really want is to do fulfilling and meaningful work. And that I'm, is the I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop you there for a second. I'm going to stop you there for a second because I think that your perspective is very U.S. I'll really confine it U.S. centric because. What, if I were to do make that same statement of in China, number one, they wouldn't laugh because they don't, but they would look at each other with confusion. What do you mean we don't want to be progressing? What do you mean we don't want to be climbing? What do you mean we don't want to work towards this accomplishment goal? We want to know that whole world, which population wise, or even in India, 
uh, when we look at things on a global basis, their Gen Z is very different from the Gen Z here in the U.S. or possibly in Northern Europe and the U.K. Very different. I would say that there's there, there's a lot that goes into that, right? There's the political climate. There's the overall arching like architecture of the way that the country is structured and run. Um, what I'm referring to is the globalization of the talent of anything. When you look at what kids want to be, like ask any kid. Sure, sure, you can you know ask them in China. You can ask them in India. You can ask them in the United States. What do you want to be when you grow up? There used to be a time where it was very vocationally based. I want to be a firefighter. I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a cowboy. That's hey, you know what? Like John Wayne, right? I would love to be a cowboy and and live that life. When you ask kids in today's world, and I used to be a youth motivational speaker, I travel the country doing assembly programs in middle schools and high schools, and I would ask kids this question. A majority of them want to be a YouTuber. They want to be an influencer. It's because they have seen these individuals, these gamers who are streaming on Twitch, who are on YouTube making content on whatever subject that you know inspires them, and it brings them joy. There's an emotion there. And so what I'm highlighting is that the way that we hire and the way that we train employees today is very vocationally based. It's very task based. And the younger generation sees that and they don't want it because it's driving particularly towards productivity without any room for fulfillment. Like, am I doing what I love or am I just working to get a paycheck? And, and these are the questions that we're asking. Well, isn't productivity, though, the entire purpose of work, if not of our lives on this planet, to be productive to, so that we can create and give, sustain ourselves and our own families, but also give to others? Isn't that require productivity? <laughs> I hear you say that, Frank, and I say that is a very antiquated view of the world of work. and. The reason why I say that is well, because I'm not saying just the world of work. I'm just saying in general, capitalism is designed for productivity, right? You can make the argument that the only reason that the system or an organization exists is to drive shareholder value. And there are a lot of young frontline employees who are starting to question that model. Like, why do I have to work for 30 years before I can be in that position? Or who am I working for? Or what is the cause that we're rallying behind? And I think post-pandemic, we are seeing this movement of individuals who are really starting to question the whole concept of work-life balance. Like, do I really have to spend eight hours of my day driving towards some productive goal for someone else? Or am I spending it in meaningful and fulfilling ways? Video games, for example, are a great example. Video games primarily started out as fun. It's just a fulfilling way for you to get together with your friends or to achieve goals. Sure. But it since has shifted drastically to now there are major influencers. There are esports teams that are creating value, real value. And, and that can be called productivity, essentially. It, like productivity, are we talking about dollars and cents or are we talking about true value for a group of individuals that come well, you, in. You could talk about that dollars and cents issue. Uh, uh, you could change that from video games, giving you satisfaction to philanthropy. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, is, when, is, when you say yeah. be productive on behalf of yourself, your family, and others, um, um, and you say shareholders, I always think stakeholders, not shareholders, uh, uh, and it, because it involves everybody uh, uh, in, a, in an organization. And you do have to have re rewards beyond a paycheck. You have to find satisfaction. But I think that's partially the, the job of the employer, but it's also in great part the job of the job seeker to have the courage to figure out you're an independent person. You work for yourself. You've created a structure that gives you satisfaction. Um, and that was hard. It was challenging for you, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, because I know the path that you, you've taken. Um, don't we all have that obligation to ourselves to not just look at others to create an environment for us to have a satisfactory work-life balance, but to seek it ourselves and then create that? And maybe that's what you're talking about, uh, uh, but uh, yeah, I, 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 I think I, that's a, a personal obligation. I think you're touching on it, Frank. I think I think you're touching on exactly the issue here is that traditionally we have relied on corporations to design an environment for us or to have a culture for us to to be a part of. HR talks all day every day about employee experience design. How are we designing experiences that employees love? And the ownership of that typically falls on a centralized decision-making organization like a corporate entity. When you are an employee coming into that organization, what power do you actually have? Or where do you actually fall? Are you actually a stakeholder is, is what I'm asking at the end of the day. It's like, well, are I you think, coming into this organization? I think are proving today that they are. Um, uh, and let, let's look at the phenomena of the great resignation, okay, as a phenomena of people that said, you know, you're not doing it right, I'm out of here. Those companies that didn't do it right stand a chance of failing or at least stuttering uh, for, for quite a while. And then you have dictates from on high in various corporations, uh, even Elon Musk bringing in the morality of, of working remotely versus working on a centralized basis. Uh, and uh, people saying, you know what, uh, I'm just not going to do it. So people are voting with their feet or they're voting with a threat to the corporate wallet in a lot of cases on this required work design in, in some respects. And I think work experience design is critical. I, I completely agree with you there. But isn't, isn't there a, we say it's design, it, it's the decisions are made on a centralized basis at a higher level but aren't those decisions, don't they have to weigh in all of the pressures, if you will, from the other side, whatever that is, if it's a we-they environment? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely see the power dynamic shifting very often, honestly, throughout the pandemic with the Great Resignation, with this return to work, return to office movement that... It's kind of this influx of corporate organizations reclaiming their power and employees being in this economic downturn who are struggling to pay for groceries with inflation. And so you see kind of 
the integral power dynamics shifting. At one point, you know, employees had a lot of options to find jobs anywhere. Now it seems like they don't have a lot of options. That seems to be shifting back in the favor of the employee. And I'm just of the opinion that it will continue to shift towards the employee, just like we saw the customer experience revolution, where when you have many, many, many options of whatever you could buy, the experience matters and companies become obsessed with that experience. Even if you were able to quote unquote, force your workforce back to the office, there's going to be a moment down the road where you have to confront the relationship that you've built. And a lot of companies are still one-sided. It's I'm the corporation. I set the rules. I make the decisions. You implement. That's what we're paying you to do. Work is not a contract, though. It is a relationship. And if we're not focusing on the relationships, then we're not building the culture that is mutually beneficial. Got it. Okay. No, I, I, I can buy into that. The challenges are always finding balance, which is the word that we try to use in everything we do corporately is where are the balance points on it. And when you talk about work design, we talked uh, earlier about uh, technology Uh, in work design, how is work design experience taking into consideration the metaverse um, or uh, whatever uh, new technologies that are applied uh, or is it focused exclusively on different experiential issues that the employees might have? Yeah, I mean, great question. So how does this tie in, right? Because I'm I'm all about employee experience design. I don't think it's going to work in the long term for two reasons. The first is I don't think companies are interested enough or are willing to put up the money to design experiences that matter for employees. And second, I think that these technologies are emerging faster than we ever thought, especially AI, that is going to continue to disrupt the work model and change the workforce ecosystem. We're already seeing that with the gig economy. Right now, the gig economy is is huge. And it's just because a lot of employees are like, well, I want to do my own thing. I want to work on a project to project basis. I want to be able to have the, the flexibility that I want. And a lot of organizations actually appreciate contract work because mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. cheaper than a full-time employee. And a lot of times things get done faster and more with more agility. So, well, I think, I think that's, that's the, the, the word that, that uh, drives people to contracts is flexibility or agility mm-hmm. more so than cost. Uh, because in today's world, any company, uh, whether it's a startup or, or a, you know, a megacorp, has to have flexibility to survive because of all these changes. And a lot of times that comes from having a certain portion of your workforce on a contract basis. Uh, certainly, we see that in real estate right now. Um, how many large corporates have hundreds, if not millions of square, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of square feet of empty office space that they're tied into for years that sits on their balance sheet as debt, which limits their ability to raise capital at a cost that makes sense. That inflexibility of the real estate model is a good example of something that is uh, just damning to many corporations right now. Uh, And contract remote, et cetera, uh, crossing borders when you're doing contract and remote as well is part of a, a necessary solution to get that underutilized asset off the balance sheet. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I think you're making a really good point. Essentially, it is that 
what worked back in, you know, you are in the co-working space, you know, and, and you've done a lot of this, have actual physical real estate, which is the, the whole market is different from when it was in the, in the seventies. And I feel like employment, we are still kind of running off of, off of this antiquated uh, method where we are putting out a job description. We are asking for resumes. We are looking at transcripts and we hire based off of the very specific skills that you can bring to the table and you complete task by task, what you are required at an organization, instead of unlocking your full creativity and productivity and fulfillment in the, in the workplace. And so it is argued, it's something that I argue that decentralization and a web three model will offer a better form of work where people can have greater ownership over the work that they do. They have greater agency to make decisions based on what they feel is best, based on what they're seeing within a project. And they have that flexibility that they want to work when, where, and for whoever they want in the world. <clears throat> Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> you don't, um, do you believe that that is a utopia that we can achieve? I, I, I think that's with? a... I won't say an ambitious goal. Um, I think it's a, a, a laudable goal, a goal that we all should have. I've always believed that anybody, well, in our company, as an example, we have people working from all over the world and we don't care who they are, where they are, so long as they're the best. Um, and I'm, I'm the antithesis of someone like Jamie Dimon who says, oh, we have to bring everybody back to the office so we can preserve our culture. I'm saying, dude, you didn't have a, effing culture to begin with, if you have to do that, uh, that if you can't create a culture of independence and, and loyalty based on all of the balancing issues by being, doing good for your, your team, as opposed to just using your team, then, you know, you've done a poor job to begin with. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think there's a, a lot there to, you know, to consider, uh, overall, um, yeah, and I, th I think one thing that you said is is the, I don't care where they work for as long as they are the best. And, and it's important to know exactly. where is the best, where is the top talent today? What are they doing and how are they wanting, how are they preferring to work? I guarantee you, the best is not looking for a job in a traditional sense. They are the ones who are crushing it on Upwork or doing oh, some no, it, 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 we, we just put out a job description ourselves. And the best candidate happened to be a young lady um, that we never would have sought out, um, uh, but she's just incredible. And, and she's in, uh, and our, we're headquartered in Las Vegas, uh, and she's in Nairobi. Wow. And she was the best, and she's phenomenal, just amazing. Um, uh, so, you know, you, if you seek out the best without borders, without any constraints whatsoever, you can put together an amazing team. You know, when you talk about work, um, design experience, uh, one of our new positions is a, a manager of AI integrations. Uh, that's a new position in our company. Um, and, and it's a, a single position today, but, um, it's an individual who purposefully studies each job profile that we have in our company, um, looks at those profiles of what, you know, what are people doing and then seeks out an AI tool to help them do it better, faster, uh, and more efficiently. Um, so, uh, I think this is a new way of creating a work design experience 
for our people is to say, how can we make them more productive without forcing more hours or more pressures or this or that, but by, by identifying and utilizing tools to do so. And we're finding great adaptation and great uh, acceptance. Everybody's embracing this uh, with no fear of, of AI um, as a replacement because they say, no, I'm, I'm more productive and I get more done. There's less pressure. Um, yeah. And it, it comes from being an early adapter of technology, which we as a company are. And I, I want to highlight what what you're saying here, Frank, which is refreshing to hear, is that you're using AI to augment human potential, which is, I think, exactly the, pro, uh, the approach. What you said is that we are hiring this individual to find ways to use AI to improve the human function at work. Whereas there are companies out there who are taking a different approach. They're trying to find out ways that they can cut down on their human capital costs. And that is a model of replacing humans with AI because AI can do it better. Well, you can, you can never, in business, you can never save yourself to success. You, ha you, you have to grow yourself to success and you grow through giving good people good tools in a solid environment and, and really serving your customers well, of course. But you can never say, oh, we, we saved some overhead, so we're going to be more that much more successful. Because usually companies pocket that or distribute that money instead of reinvest that money. Yeah. And, and, and that's a, a short-term, silly, dumb process, actually, in my view. I, I agree. And, and AI is a powerful tool that will help, again, 10x an individual's yes. productivity, it will allow us to do a lot more with a lot less. And so I, I think if you have an, a mentality of AI that it's here to replace us or that's going to completely disrupt everything and we need to change everything, I don't think that that is a winning strategy. A winning strategy of using AI is recognizing where our strengths are and how AI can take it to the next level. That's what's important. That's powerful well, about these new technologies. Do you, do you think that AI contributes to Decentralized work or centralized work? And, 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 and even will we even have centralized work in the future? It's a, it's a great question. Will centralization even exist in the future? And I, I personally don't think so. I think that decentralization provides better communication, faster, an, an ability to you know, work on projects with individuals who are hyper-focused, hyper-motivated, hyper-trained and skilled in their specific capabilities and leveraging AI, being able to have more transparency and trust by having everything saved on the blockchain. There's a lot of ways that decentralization is just going to make workforce ecosystems that much more powerful. Well, you know, everybody think, identifies, a lot of people identify blockchain with uh, cryptocurrency. They don't really think of it as a other data management tool uh, necessarily. And how do you think that blockchain technology will, will advance decentralized work uh, as opposed to be merely a secured repository of data that people can access overall? Yeah, I, I mean, a perfect example in my mind is that Web3 is going to be a gig economy on steroids. We're going to have, like, look at 
these these gig economy platforms, freelancer platforms like Upwork sure. and Fiverr, the way it works today is you get on the platform and you say you have a specific amount of skills and capabilities, all self-reported, by the way, and you chase after projects. And over time, if you do a great job and kind of grind it out, you can start making more money and people will start you know, giving you great reviews to the point where you can be a top 3% at the organization doing a great job freelancing and loving your life. But the grind is difficult. Web3 will make it so much more easy because we will be able to verify our skills on the blockchain. We don't have to just trust that they know what they're doing. We know exactly what they're doing. And AI will help us match specific individuals with specific projects that are perfect for them, not only because they have the capabilities, but because they have a specific schedule that they're running on and they have specific individuals that work well with them. And now it's almost like you pull up an app, just like Uber, you hit, I'm working, you can go in there and you can collaborate and you can work on these projects async and you can generate value on your own time when you best see fit. And I guarantee that there's going to be a, a, a way for people to unlock more fulfilling experiences when they are working for themselves, when they are generating that value and they get to keep it a little bit better. So is that utopian? No. Is it a far away off? No, but it is not quite here today. Um, these well, I, I, don't, I don't know whether that's utopian or dystopian. I think you could put. You think you could swing that pendulum either way, depending on, on, exactly. on how you look at it. Because what you've just described, uh, which is an idealized work environment, also requires. I'll go back to Jamie Dimon as an example and take his position on on this. It requires an extremely strong corporate culture with an, an amazing capacity for communications up and down the line, both directions. Um, to keep everybody working in sync. And, well, Frank, uh, that's interesting. You know, there, there, there is no line in a decentralized world, right? That's the, the glory of this flat DAO or decentralized autonomous organization. And, and it actually brings back something that you said earlier, you know, does each employee have a responsibility to build company culture or at least have their part in the culture? And the answer which, which they have to be aware of in the first place. And, and have a foundation for in the first place, um, or it become your company culture becomes it's uh, nebulous, somewhat right? chaotic. It, it, uh, right. it, it's an anarchistic culture, if you will. Well, and, and the big problem that a lot of individuals are having is like, back in the day, it was all about culture fit. Like, how do we find the right culture fit at our organization? In a decentralized version of work, that doesn't exist because everyone does recognize that they own their own culture or their own contribution because their little mini sliver of the team is a part of the overall culture of the DAO and it's, it's their personal brand, you know? So, so there's much more ownership over our own brands and the way that we show up in the world um, in a system like this. Well, where do you, I mean, we can talk around in circles on this for days, I think. Um, but where do you see this all tying together? We, we, we all look at a calendar and say, oh, by 2050, we're going to be, you know, net zero on uh, climate change. And by 2030, we're going to do this. By 2025, we're going to do that. Where, 
in the in the gap in the the predictable future, which I would say is between 2025 and 2030, how do you see us migrating as a global workforce, not as a U.S. workforce, not as just as a Gen Z element to it, but as a total workforce? Because I'm seeing uh, a, a lot of companies um, hiring for experience as opposed to for energy right now. So they'll hire someone in my age group as opposed to someone uh, in a Gen Z age group based on experience as opposed to just energy. Um, so how do you see this whole thing going together in a cohesive manner? Or is it, or will it be cohesive at all? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great question. And I think you're much more generous with the time frame than I am, like 2025 to 2030. I feel like I can't even predict six to 12 months out because of the way that things are shifting. And, oh, well, come over. Be- I've got the crystal ball for that. So, you know, come, come <laughs> over my place. Um, but I, I do want to say that for me, the bottom line is that employees are not happy in traditional roles. The data is very clear. Gallup's Global Workforce Trends report has for decades shown disengagement as an all-time low. And we are just seeing a disengaged workforce that doesn't want to work in traditional ways. And that that is a problem that needs to be addressed. And there are a lot of companies out there that are addressing it in their own ways, whether it's culture, whether it's employee experience design. I don't think that corporations are going to be the ones driving the change. It's the employees, it's the contributors, it's the individuals who see their value and want to own their value and do more with that value in the world. They're going to find Web3 models of work that make sense for them, that pay how they want that allow them to have the lifestyle that they want. There's much less control on the way that they work. And that's going to be extremely attractive, not only to the younger generation, to the bulk of workers today. When that happens, amen to employee experience design, because we need to be ready for for the relationship to shift if we can't come to the table as a corporation. Well, you know, it's funny. I'll I'll give you one last challenge here. Uh, When you say... Um, employees are not happy. I'm going to expand that and say, are people happy in general? Um, uh, When we say uh, employees need to find um, work um, that is more satisfying to them or they don't want work that is unsatisfying to them, I will challenge and say, do they even want to work at all? Is Basically, have we swung so far to where the utopian is I really don't do anything uh, at all and I just get a check and I hang out on the beach, uh, which gets pretty boring. I've done that once and it's it gets pretty boring after a while. Um, <laughs> uh, the, uh, uh, and it doesn't matter what beach, they all get boring uh, after a while. Uh, uh, you know, it, or ha- has our pendul- pendulum generationally or ambitiously swung to that direction, uh, at least in our Western societies, to where there is nothing that will satisfy them. I think you make a good point. I guess I'll kind of throw my hat in the ring a little bit here and say that nobody likes work, right? Are, are they happy in general? You know, the very strong argument that they are not. I don't think that like sitting around and being idle is ideal. I still feel like that is a model that was handed to us of like, yeah, go vacation and sit because you're so tired. Once we've sat and we've rested, 
people still want to be fulfilled. They want to generate value. And I see a younger generation say, hey, if we're sitting on the beach, we might as well like make videos and put it up on TikTok and start building a community and selling merch. And now all of a sudden your vacation turns into an actual business. That's what we're seeing with the younger generation is that they're turning towards other means of value generation, content creation, and productivity at the end of the day. And so and you're, 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 edging, real, you're edging into digi productive digital nomadism. Uh, which is a whole different topic, and I'd love I'd love to play that one with you someday, uh, um, but because that's uh, you know starting what what you start edging towards uh, uh, in that regard. Well, Josh, we've run out of time, and and I I really want to thank you. Uh, it's great uh, getting together with you again after so many years. I'm fascinated at the work that you're doing and the whole concept of work experience design and how it does make a difference uh, with a lot of companies. Um, if someone needed to get a hold of you, how would, how would they do so? Yeah, I'm highly active on my socials, at Josh Dream. That's LinkedIn and TikTok and Instagram and YouTube. I would love to start a conversation there. Um, definitely stay in tune with all of the, the content that we're generating and the community that we're building. We're also at the Work3 Institute. That's work3.me if you want to learn a little bit more about the work that we're doing to help marry Web3 technologies with workforce strategies. Um, lots of really cool and exciting things there. I think you've got a new book coming up as well, don't you? We do. Harvard Business Review Press to be published next year. It is entitled Employment is Dead, How Web3 Technologies Will Shift the Way That We There you work. go. Well, then everybody, if you think employment is dead, you, you need to read Josh's book and, and he'll convince you of it. Uh, or you can talk to me that says that employment is the greatest thing on earth. Uh, <laughs> um, or I'm rising from the dead, or maybe I'm a zombie. Who knows? You can't kill this old guy. Uh, so, Josh, thank you very much. Appreciate your, your input. It's great, and I look forward to more. Frank, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Take care. If it's impacting the future of work, it's in the Future of Work podcast by AllWork.Space.